Welcome back to Podcaster. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-R-R. You can find out about all what we do at podcaster.com. This is an honest-to-goodness, real live radio station that broadcasts 24 hours a day, seven days a week podcast. You can listen to the online stream of the actual broadcast at podcaster.fm. This interview is with John Combest. Did it in January of 2023. John has got a new book out. John is a ex-comms guy, worked for Monsanto, and is very adept at working with internet, with uh, social media and things like that. He wrote a great book about what to do if you get slammed, whatever you want to call it, you know, trolled on the internet. You can check it out at John Combest on uh, Amazon. Uh, Just search his name. That's C-O-M-B-E-S-T, johncombest.com. The book will come up. And you can also find out what he does in the state of Missouri. He runs a daily website. He's done this for over 20 years where he does all the political headlines every single day. That's at johncombest.com. That's C-O-M-B-E-S-T, johncombest.com. Here's the interview with John Combest. I'm in the studio with John Combest. John, welcome. Thanks, Brad. Thanks for having me here. You're an interesting guy. Uh, you've been in corporate communications for a while. You're what we call a comms guy. I, I am. I was. And your background as far as where'd you go to school, all that kind of stuff? I went to Washington University here in St. Louis. Most importantly, I grew up in Spanish Lake. Uh, went to Hazelwood East High School. A North County boy. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and, and you went there before uh, it was Hazelwood East, right? I went to Hazelwood High School, yeah. which was which was the one on there in New Halls Ferry, which is Game now Central. Central, yes. Yeah, yes. that's right. Yes. So, uh, yeah, and I stayed in town here, and I went to Washington University here in St. Louis. And you got a degree in? Political science. Now, for... How long, can we mention the company, the big Fortune 500 company you work for? Yeah, sure. I mean, I I started at Monsanto in 2008, and then the company was acquired by Bayer, a German company, in 2018. And you were their comms guy. Are in the, uh, I back, was one of the comms guys. Oh, yes, back in the day, they used to call them PR people. That's right. That's exactly are right. Are the flax, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> right. Okay. And... You were the guy that was doing press releases, that kind of stuff? Yeah, you know, I came to the company in 2008, and we had what was called an issues management team. So I worked on, essentially, Monsanto at the time was one of the most hated companies in the world. Now, why is that? Because, they, they, you know, they, you look back, and there are a lot yeah. of people that say they're a tremendous company because what they did, they increased farm production by so much. Absolutely. At the time, when you think about the fact that you know, genetically modified organisms were a really new thing in the I mid-90s. Gotcha. Okay. So it, it became very controversial. And in fact, one of the interesting things about agriculture today is that that debate is essentially settled. You know, there was a debate a couple decades ago over whether GMOs were safe. And that you don't hear about that debate very often now because it's it's been essentially settled. But so I worked on a team early on that kind of countered misinformation about farmers and misinformation about agriculture. And then I did a number of roles in the company in the in the communications realm. All of them at one point or another also touched social media. Now, at, at one point, you were actually going out in the field and talking to farmers and things like that? Yeah. So I, you know, I, part of the business that I worked with, I worked in the cotton industry for a while. Um, the pesticide industry, which, which in agriculture we call crop protection, uh, so weed management, insect management, uh, had the opportunity to work in biologicals, which is taking essentially soil bacteria and seeing how it can have pesticide properties. So uh, that was a lot of fun. So I was there for 12 and a half years. And, and probably one of the companies that uh, are one of the products that Monsanto was most known by, or now maybe an infamous product, is Roundup. Yeah, for sure. Were you involved in any of the things with the litigation and things like that? Well, I worked uh, with the Roundup issue from, from day one, and, I, and my roles touched it through 
gosh, probably this is in the weeds, but probably 2016 or so. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the compound, which is glyphosate, which is the actual chemistry, uh, is incredibly safe. And I know that the company today, Bayer, is still handling a lot of legacy litigation about that and some other pesticides. Well, the interesting thing for me is that even though it's been declared this, or by at least illegally, some places, uh, carcinogen and the whole bit, mm-hmm. you can go right down the street to Home Depot or Lowe's and buy it today. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's uh, parks and recreation groups around the world rely on it uh, to kill weeds in their, in their parks and recs, uh, you know, playgrounds. It's, it's saved lives. And m- more importantly, it's kept people out of fields in developing countries that used to have to, you know, there are developing countries that where the women worked at home and pull the weeds out of the field all day long. And those kids, those girls can go to school now. Glyphosate has had a tremendous positive impact on the world. I'm not paid to say that anymore, by the way. I was going to say, are you you still not on the payroll anymore? Is it still the company line I'm hearing? But, uh, I mean, it's absolutely safe. And, um, you know, I, I imagine though that we'll continue to hear litigation about it as long as you can run ads on television and get people to join class action lawsuits, there will be litigation about any kind of crop protection product. And heaven knows there's lots of class action lawsuits <laughs> on sure. TV. Okay, so you were in, in that business for a long yep. time, and now you're off on your own, yep. and, and you've got a new book coming out. I do. I wrote a book on internet stalking and harassment and trolling. Um, you know, as social media becomes even more important in our everyday lives, so many people identify their personality with their social media persona. And as part of that, frankly, today, if you express any kind of opinion on the internet, you're probably going to get attacked. And so I've seen firsthand, and and frankly, I've lived through it, people being attacked online, uh, people dealing with harassment online. There's a number of companies out there and a number of groups out there that do a really good job of addressing things like search engine optimization, in other words, how Google lists your name and results. But what happens after the search results are optimized? What happens to the pain that was caused by these online attacks? And that's what this book tackles. Now, let me go back a little bit. Mm-hmm. When did you start at Monsanto? 2008. Okay. In 2008, we're talking 14 years ago. Was Monsanto very much aware of their social media presence at that point? Absolutely. Um, and in fact, in the years prior, in the, in the years immediately prior, the company dealt with a few certain instances of being highlighted on social media documentaries, and the company had always had a tiny little division that was, that was dedicated to attempting to push back on some of the misinformation. And really around 2008, there was a documentary that came out, and it, it allowed the company, it gave the company a good reason to build a whole team around it. I worked with a, a number of really gifted people from that first team that focused on fighting the social media information. And if you think back, 2008 was the year that Twitter really exploded. So you had a period of time where whether you're an elected official or whether you're a corporate executive, anybody's voice could communicate directly with a company exec and talk about what they liked or didn't like about the company. Now, I'd imagine you said in 2008, the documentary came out. It was probably a negative documentary toward Monsanto. Yeah, it, this is this is a, a, a travel back in time. There was a movie called The World According to Monsanto. Uh, I love the movie because it's probably the reason why I got hired and a number of other people got hired because the, the company was fighting back against a lot of the misinformation there. And, you know, we see it today. The agriculture industry is a real boogeyman in the environmental industry. And so, you know, we still see a lot of misinformation about agriculture out there. 
And it's interesting because you just mentioned about the GMO thing. You don't Mm -hmm. hear much about that anymore. Yeah, because that debate has been essentially settled. And, you know, I think the ag industry has done a very good job over the last 15, 20 years. This way predates my time at Monsanto. But the industry did a good job of laying the groundwork of getting these NGOs and these food security groups to come out and talk about what the world would look like if we didn't protect our crops. Now I'm going to back you up a minute. Yep. You mentioned NGO, which is an NPR favorite word. Or is they it really? really? I, yeah, they talk about NGOs all the time. Confession, I don't listen to public radio. So, <laughs> so explain what an NGO is. A non-government organization. And in the United States, that would be an example? Uh, gosh, I mean, when you think of groups like the Gates Foundation, um, any kind of philanthropic group, USAID, which is a global group, any organization that is not funded by taxpayer dollars um, that, that sets out to affect public policy. And it's even to the point where the NGO thing has come up recently in the border situation where a lot of the churches and things like that have been classified as NGOs because they're going down and trying to help the immigrants come across the right. border. And, and actually, some of the government money is going to those NGOs to essentially help them yeah. do that. And, and, the, and it's always been a controversial piece of agriculture as well. But, but back to the industry, the, you know, the industry has done a good job of laying out with the help of these NGOs what the world would look like if we didn't have GMOs, what, how, much, how much lower crop production would be, um, how many more people would be spending their summers and their spring and their falls actually in the fields uh, manually dealing with these issues. And you, you see the situation now around, even around the St. Louis area where one farmer can essentially farm quite a bit of acreage by himself with the help of mechanization and obviously the chemical situation as well too. You know, I think back to, I was really blessed to be able to go throughout the United States and talk to farmers that worked in cotton or corn or soybeans, uh, sorghum, you know, any of the things that are grown here in Missouri, but also across the country. And I remember having a conversation with a farmer in Arizona who was a generational cotton farmer. And he used to spend, when he grew up, he didn't get to go on many vacations because him and his brothers and sisters would be out in the field having to spray every four or five days. They had to spray pretty pretty harsh chemicals over the top of cotton to control insects. Now he now that he runs the farm and he has biotechnology, he's able to take his kids on vacation because he's not spending every day in the field managing these pests. Now, as far as going back to the book again, yeah. the name of the book is? Stalking, harassment, internet trolling. And the subhead is a guide to recovering and rebuilding after online attacks. You sent me a proof copy of it. Right. Um, And what I found very interesting was the first several chapters are almost like scenario kind of things. Yeah. So you could think of the first, the book is really set up in, in a unique fashion some of your listeners have probably heard of the the concept of an OODA loop. So it was invented by a guy named John Boyd. And the idea is if you're, if you're dealing with a challenge, you think about observing, orienting, deciding, and acting. So I wanted to lay that out there at first because that's the format of the book. But the first part of the book is when, when you read the book, you'll see six different scenarios that are pretty common today in terms of internet attacks. And the first six chapters lay out some of these, these common attacks that people deal with and the feelings that they're going through, some of the traps they fall into, some of the bad advice they get, and in some ways how, the, how these attacks have created havoc in their lives. And, and you are essentially, it's, it's almost like a self-help book, would I? Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. I would, I would certainly classify it as that. Amazon classifies it as a self-help book. And 
there are people right now making big bucks working for corporations doing exactly what you're teaching in the book. And that's exactly right. And you know, one of the things that I think, one of the reasons why I decided to write the book is that so many, as you mentioned, Brad, there are so many really good people in the corporate world focused on corporate reputation. And again, how do you clean up those Google results? But whether you're a company executive or an elected official or a teacher or a nurse or anybody who's being attacked online, you have to ask what happens after those search engine results are optimized. You still feel pain. You still feel anger. You still might resent some of the people that either weren't there for you or were just unhelpful throughout the situation. And, and that's who this book is for. I'll give you an example, which personally that I find sort of fascinating to me. You know who Kevin Sorbo is? I don't know Kevin Sorbo. Kevin Sorbo is an actor who played, I think it was the TV show years ago called Hercules. Okay. And Kevin had a stroke. And um, Kevin um, actually did a couple more seasons of, of Hercules and some other shows. But Kevin's become sort of a conservative kind of guy. And once again, he has some disabilities due to his stroke. If you go onto his Twitter page and he said something nice, there's 14,000, you know, flaming responses. Absolutely. And I'm going like... What is, I don't quite understand why they're after this guy. Why does that happen? Well, it goes back to the idea, first of all, if you say anything, if you express any sort of opinion online about any topic, you can expect that you'll get pushback. You know, there's a great author from St. Louis, Dana Lash, who wrote, uh, (laughs) she's written several books. But one of my favorite examples she gives is if you got on Twitter today and you said, uh, I like pancakes, You'd get responses that said, are you saying you don't like waffles? Why don't, what do you have against waffles? This is typical anti-waffle bias. Um, and so today, and of course, I think most people recognize too, whether your, preferred, whether your preferred platform is Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever, the anonymous nature of some of the platforms encourages people to attack someone at will without provocation. And then also it's become a cliche, but it's a lot easier to be a keyboard jockey and attack someone from across the city or across the country than have to look at someone face to face and say those things. And we talk about that in the book. Yeah. Dana, uh, you mentioned her, who's mm-hmm. now does a national radio show, started right here in St. Louis. I Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and interesting, she worked for the NRA for a while. She's been vilified for that. And quite honestly, if you know the background of Dana, she's a good old Southern girl from someplace down in the boot heel or something like yeah, that. Yeah, she's. I, I believe she's from Jefferson County. And so first of all, she's been a role model for a lot of us who are conservative commentators, which is probably beyond the scope of this conversation. But, uh, you know, she wrote the, the book that I'm citing is, is Grace Canceled, which is one of her most recent books, but it's the idea of as a society, we've, we've essentially given up on the concept of grace. Essentially it's all attack. Yeah. And it's like what you said. If I say, uh, I like McDonald's, somebody's going to say, well, what's wrong with Burger King, yeah. right? Or who, or how much is McDonald's paying you to say that? Right. right? Exactly. You know? Or do you know that, <laughs> do you know that McDonald's hamburgers cause cancer or whatever? Exactly. The, yeah. That yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah. John, how do people get the book? Well, probably the easiest thing to do is to go to Amazon and you can look up, you can use search phrases like online attacks or stalking and harassment. You can look up my name, John Combest on Amazon, and that's probably the easiest way. It's available in paperback and also on Kindle. 
And uh, as far as you being able to help companies, can people hire you for uh, that kind of work as well, well too? I'm focused on the book right now. Uh, I might be, I might, you know, I think the doomsday scenario for me is going back to a corporate environment. I tell my <laughs> friends that. Like the, the worst day possible is logging into to a computer and opening up Outlook again. Uh, but, you know, I'm happy to have conversations with folks who are going through a hard time. One of the most rewarding things about starting this process when I started to write the book was I shared, you know, a few ideas with some folks who've lived through this before. The most rewarding thing is getting feedback on this book and hearing in real time how it helps people. And so, you know, I, I include my contact information in the book and on website so that, that folks can reach out to me. And your website is? Uh, people can access links at johncombestblog.com. That's my first and last name, J-O-H-N-C-O-M-B-E-S-T blog, B-L-O-G dot com. And my contact information is also available if you go to Amazon. You know, you're a true master when it comes to that, because we have this all the time where we have clients that will put a, a web address and it's like, okay, spell it because <laughs> you know what I mean? I hear, I hear it on the station all the time. <laughs> right. We, we tell our clients all the time, spell your web address because for example, we've got one client, uh, Mike McGee, who spells his last name. M- yep. Yeah, uh, right. right. And if you that. type, if you would search Mike McGee, just as M-C-G-E-E, you probably wouldn't, you wouldn't find get the Edward Jones guy. right exactly you wouldn't find him so John thank you very much for your time absolutely thanks Appreciate for having it. me Brad uh-huh. thanks to John Combest for coming into the studio you can check out his new book all you have to do is just search his name on Amazon John Combest C-O-M-B-E-S-D also check out his website johncombest.com he gives all the information on what's going on in the state of Missouri every single day he's done it every day of his life believe it or not for over 20 years my name is Brad Hildebrand one of the pod jocks here at Podcaster more podcasts are coming up after these.